Welcome to the SCA Lectures podcast series, brought to you by Olam Specialty Coffee, connecting roasters to the finest specialty green coffees. The following is a talk presented live at the 2017 Global Specialty Coffee Expo, the largest annual gathering of specialty coffee professionals. Thank you so much for being here today. I am really excited to share some research trends um, that's been underway um, at SCA. So my name is Heather Ward. I am SCA's market research manager. And my focus is to lead and manage market research that we have, whether it's consumer research, business research, um, gathering industry statistics, and our market perspective that can gain insight that will help members in the coffee community, you, um, business owners of coffee retailers or roasters. So to start, um, at SCA we believe that the foundation of a business is knowledge. So today I want to share with you a few studies as well as some studies from a few other sources that can help you in your business and managing um, managing that. So before I want to get started, how many, by show of hands, how many people are in their current business and has been there for two years or less? Okay. Okay, what about three to five years? Cool. Okay, about how about more than six? Great. So we got a really good mix. Um, so this research that I want to share with you can be useful for businesses in any stage um, of your business, young or old. So there are three themes from the market research lately that I want to point out that can help in supporting business. And first is identifying and understanding your consumers. So you can design the experience for them. Second is the specialty coffee market and the industry statistics that are out there and available and how you can use that to inform your business. And the third theme is understanding the industry as a whole. There's larger macroeconomic reports out there and how you can relate that to your business every day. So let's begin with um, talking about specialty coffee consumers, designing the experience. And I want to go through two different studies. The first, um, just to highlight the consumer demand for specialty coffee, which we gather statistics from National Coffee Association. And the other is the specialty coffee consumer studies that we have, um, that we've done at SCA over the last five years. And looking deeper into who the specialty coffee consumer is and getting closer to them. So first looking at the NCA stats, you can see, um, well first the number one question that I get asked by those in the community is how many people in the US drink specialty coffee? And what has that looked like historically? Or another way that they ask is what is the demand for specialty coffee and what data do we have to support that? So to answer this question, we collect consumption figures from NCA's National Drinking Trends Report that comes out annually. It's a consumer survey, and it's, it's a really great selection of data, over 60 years of data that they have. And over the last 20 or so, they've been collecting information on specialty coffee. So you could see here this graph, the, starting in around 2000, 1999 is when they started tracking it, it was 9%. And this really to look at the 
What I want you to take away from this really is the bigger picture that there's this trend line, this growth that we're seeing in daily consumption of specialty coffee. And even just last month, the, the latest figure, 41%, was released for 2017. 41% of adults in the U.S. drink specialty coffee daily. And that actually shot up from 31% um, just last year. So it's a 10% growth within a year. So to kind of look at this, this is total, there we go, total coffee versus specialty coffee consumption. The top is tracking total coffee. And it's been flat for the last couple of years and hasn't really gone far from um, 1999 at 54% of adults in the U.S. drinking coffee daily, 62% today. And then you can see specialty right underneath it, creeping up on it. So an NCA noted in the report that the specialty coffee consumption is driving total coffee consumption. So that brings us, so looking at that chart, the question I want you to ask is where do your specialty coffee consumers fall fall in that? And SDA has been on this five year journey of understanding the specialty coffee consumer, getting closer to them. So this week, we actually released a new microsite, which is sca.coffee slash consumer research, where it's like a hub for all of the research that we've done. It has all of the reports and um, videos that are associated with it. So the journey really started in 2011 when Camera Crew went out and hit the streets of San Francisco and asked people with coffee cups in hand what specialty meant to them, what does specialty coffee mean to them. And many people didn't recognize this term, they were really confused, so we realized that we needed to do more of a study, a conversation with them. So we decided to do a focus group in Portland, Oregon, and Los Angeles, California, and really the questions that stemmed from that, hold on one second. The idea was to learn more about the perspectives. And the results showed that specialty coffee drinkers crossed gender, age, education, socioeconomic lines. They weren't price sensitive and they couldn't describe what was making this coffee better. So we did, in the focus groups, we asked them to develop these collages. Really what they were doing is, we said, what does specialty coffee mean to you? Create a collage from that. It could be anything. So this is really showing, it surprised us that it was showing this love affair that they had with their coffee, their coffee experience. You can see the the hearts and the connection and the warmth of coffee and the brainstorm. And here's a couple more. This guy is on top of a volcano. He's conquering the world. He feels great, success, again, more hearts. This was a deeper connection that people were having with their coffee. So out of this study, we identified two different groups, specialty coffee adopters and super specialty drinkers. So we call adopters for short and the supers as super specialty. And the adopters are more at the beginning of their journey. They're coffee lovers. They rated themselves about a 7 to a 10 on a scale of the love of coffee, from a 1 to 10. They, they generally purchased whole bean coffee um, for, to drink at home, and 
for around a price of like $10 or more per pound. And they consistently drank brands um, out, such as Starbucks or Pete's or other national chains. Um, but then there's these super specialty drinkers that were a little farther along in, on that scale or on that, in that journey. And they considered themselves to be coffee connoisseurs. They were very confident about their knowledge in coffee. They also purchased whole bean to consume at home and frequented more of the boutique local coffee shops while they were out. And they rated themselves a 9 to a 10 on that coffee lover scale, between a 1 and a 10. So after that, the focus study that we did, the conversations with the consumers, we decided in 2016 we needed to do a quantitative study and, and survey a larger group of these consumers to find out their characteristics, habits, preferences, purchase behaviors. Who are they? Who are these consumers? So we partnered with an outside market research firm called Marketing General, and we wanted to conduct a survey. It was a survey, an online panel survey. And there were screener questions that we asked in the beginning to make sure we were targeting these specialty consumers. So we asked them how they described themselves, how often they drank coffee, how much they paid for coffee, the type of shops they frequented, um, and they also couldn't work in the industry. And this was to better, better target those specialty consumers. So here we have, um, it's important really to recognize that these two groups, there wasn't really people that fell into a single group. They showed behaviors of both groups. It seems to be more of a continuum, this journey that they're on. Um, adopters love coffee and are willing to pay higher prices for it, feeling somewhat knowledgeable, but they don't seek out the most unique coffees available. They're less interested in those secondary attributes or the story of coffee or even certifications of the coffee. But then the supers, farther along, they, they were the connoisseurs. They said they were connoisseurs. They were very confident. They showed an interest in coffee's story and in where it came from, the farm, and also the certifications or those types of secondary attributes. So the survey, there was about 250 respondents in the survey. 33% of them were adopters, and 67% were supers. And age here also is important. There's mostly millennials that responded to this survey. There were more adopters in the 36 to 50 group, and actually more supers in that 51 plus group. As far as the participant location, I wanted to give a kind of a snapshot of, of where they were in the country. Um, and you can see they're pretty spread out. The blues are adopters, and the orange is supers. So we asked them about their coffee experience and which, how they related with these two descriptions that we gave or explanations. And adopters, they, they related more with the phrase or the explanation, I enjoy the taste of coffee and experiencing new flavors. And it was the supers that were, that were relating with coffee is more of a sensory experience to be savored and refined. 
so we asked them also how they described themselves. And the adopters were largely describing themselves as the coffee lovers. And the connoisseurs were a few coffee lovers, of course, but here's that proof of the connoisseur. They, thought, they felt really good about the knowledge in coffee and knowing a lot about coffee. So we also wanted to know if where they were drinking coffee between at home or at the coffee shop. We kind of had an idea that it seemed that people were drinking in both places, but we wanted to really ask and see what they said. So you can see here that they're drinking coffee, both groups, largely at home and in the coffee shop. Super's a little bit more, um, higher percentage of them, which not by much, drinking at home, and a little less in the coffee shop. So then we wanted to also know what coffee shops, they're, where are they, which ones are they going to, what are they favoring? Um, so we broke them out here um, with large, large national coffee shop, then there was a mid, mid-size national high-end coffee shop focused on quality, um, local shops knowing for, known for being warm and friendly, and then those local high-end coffee shops focused on quality. So this is kind of how we segmented that out. So both supers and adopters were mostly in favor of those large national coffee shops, but we were seeing that the supers were going to the more local, quality-oriented shops as well. So we asked them what they typically pay for a beverage in a coffee shop. And both supers and adopters were about at that, on average, that $4 to $5 per beverage at the shop, both at 51 and 52%, as you can see. But supers seem to pay a little bit larger price for for the coffee, as you can see, more than 7, 15%, 6 to 7, 27%. So we also wanted to know how much they, they were drinking at home, so how much were they paying for a bag of coffee? And the adopters were typically to pay 12 to 15, and then um, the supers were, again, 16 to 20 or more than 20. Also, whole bean versus ground. This was, we thought this was important and kind of relates to maybe even their emphasis on freshness. So were they buying their beans whole bean or ground? So 72% of supers were buying whole bean um, and 28% ground. And then the adopters were buying the ground coffee more so at 63%. So for adopters, they, we asked them if their, their coffee at home was better than the coffee in the coffee shop. And it seemed that the brew method had a lot to do with that. For adopters, the brew method at the coffee shop made it better. They thought the, the coffee at the coffee shop was better and because of the brew method. So for supers, the brew method at home um, made it better. So this was kind of telling us that maybe the supers are taking those brew methods that they're seeing in the coffee shop and they're comfortable enough to be brewing in that way at home as well. So we asked also, what are the most important factors in choosing the coffee? And actually adopters and supers, the top three factors in choosing were the same. First was flavor, first and foremost. And then was second was roast level. And then third was the coffee origin, where it was coming from. So to, to wrap up really the consumer studies of 2016, there's a lot more data to go through, and this report can be found on, the, on our website, on that microsite that I was mentioning. 
But really with this study, how can, what's, what's the best or the most I would like you to take away from this really is the groups, the adopters and the supers. And understanding who, who, what they're like and even relating it with like your consumers. Do your consumers fall in, do you see that maybe they fall into one more than the other? Or probably both. And just understanding where they are in their journey, if there's that opportunity to transition them from maybe to adopters to supers, just designing your experience. Which would you like to focus on? Maybe focus on both. Um, it's important to be able to talk and interact with your consumers. And these these adopters and supers kind of gives you that guideline, that tool to, to really reach out to them and talk to them. So next theme that I discussed before is the specialty coffee market. How the industry statistics that are out there, how to inform your business plan. And the first thing I want to talk about is the specialty coffee shop market size and also the roaster market size. Then we also have a different report called the specialty coffee retail sentiment and also a new study that's out actually this week that was launched, which is a roaster and retailer financial benchmarking study. So looking at how many specialty coffee shops there are in the U.S., this is also a question, a very common question that we get in, in the industry. So this information is from Mintel. Um, it's a research firm in the U.S. And that we've been tracking this at SCA since the early 90s. And it, this is a huge, steep trend line, as you can see. As of 2015, it was almost, well, it's 31,490 was the estimate of coffee shops in the U.S. And over the last five years or so, it's, it's slowed down. The growth has slowed down. But you're seeing this trend line. It's, it's showing sustained growth. And of these coffee shops, we wanted to look in a little bit deeper of what are chains and what are independent coffee shops. And they broke, Mintel broke it down to singles and multiples. So just one coffee shop and then um, multiple coffee shops plus one. And um, 75% in 2015 was um, chains. And the 25% was independents. And actually, over the years, the independence has gone down, or the one coffee, the singles coffee shop. But it doesn't mean that they're necessarily closing. They're just maybe opening up new stores and becoming the, the multiples. So how many roasters are there in the US? We, in 2015, we did a market size estimate of this through a different firm. And they found that there were about 4,200 roasters in the US 300 roasters in, in Canada. And we don't have much. We just started tracking the number of roasters, actually, in the U.S. Um, and in Canada, we don't have much of a historical record. But moving forward, we plan to kind of see where this is going to go. We're already in 2017, so we'd be interested to see what, what that has jumped up to. And um, we'll probably get that going in the next year. So we also have a report called the Specialty Coffee Retail Sentiment Index. And this is really a way to get a glimpse of the health of the retail, retail segment from a sentiment perspective. So a survey is sent out twice a year. We've done this for the last two years about 
to gather just the feeling towards business. We ask very simple questions of retailers, how they're feeling about the industry, for their financial condition. Is it good, bad, neutral? So it comes, we come up with this index. And this year, in 2017, the index is 63. And the scale is actually between negative 100 and positive 100. So 63 is, is actually very, very positive. And looking at the trend over the last two years, it's pretty much stayed pretty stable, but also up on that, on that positive end. So looking within that, so we asked about current conditions and then expected conditions. So we asked the outlook on the industry, the financial condition, and to look a little bit over time, the current condition, um, how they're feeling about right now, not necessarily in a year. Um, it's gone down a little bit. Again, it's very positive above that, um, between the negative 100 and the positive 100, but has gone down a little bit more. So the current condition, um, people aren't too sure about, but the expected condition, we were seeing uh, this last 2017 that a lot of people are expanding. They're um, increasing workforce and opening more stores. And they expect that the financial condition in a year is going to be better than right now, and even the outlook on the industry. So looking at that over the last couple of years, it's actually gone up. So it seems people are more excited about the future and expecting um, positivity then more so than, than now. So the, the sentiment index is something that we started just to kind of you know, gauge how people are feeling. And the next collection will be in June. We'll release the results in August, um, and then we'll do the same the, the next year in January. And you can find these reports on, in the SCA store. Um, all, there's four of them for the last two years. So in thinking about financials and digging into to company, how you, this can help with your business plan and, and more numbers here. Uh, we just released this week a new survey, a roaster retailer financial benchmarking study. And this is a new platform. It's a tool for businesses that are maybe opening a cafe or thinking about expanding any business decision of buying a new roaster or hiring new people or anything, opening a new store. This, this can really help in deciding that and planning that before. So this is a study that you can, roasters and retailers can go in and enter their information. It's financial, sales, and operational. And it will create an industry benchmark. And, and it's in regards here, I'll show you this next one. This is what it's asking. These are just an example of like average years of roasting experience, number of machines, how much coffee you roast. Um, and there's also a section for retailers, non-coffee roasters. But all of these, all this data will be inputted, and it will create this industry benchmark. So we'll be able to understand what the rest of the industry is doing and, and making decisions you know, based more on data and what the rest of the industry is doing rather than just going off of gut feeling or, or assumptions. And this is the SCA FBS site. There's a site dedicated to this that you can go to. And the platform will compute your performance, your own performance measures. And this is all fictitious information. And the, there's security and, dat and data protection on this platform as well. Nobody will see your own company information. They'll, you'll be only seeing the industry benchmark. But you'll be able to compare your performance measures directly with, with the industry. 
and there's filtering as well. So once, right now it's just data collection, but once we get enough respondents, you can filter um, by business type, number of locations, regions, so that way you can compare even further you know, against companies that are more similar to yours. Those of similar net sales or pounds of coffee roasted. And then it will look something like this, where the black is the industry benchmark, and in the blue is where you would fall in next to that. So with the, the market sizes, the retail sentiment, and this benchmarking study, it, it can help you, you know, make more informed business decisions. Gathering information like this can be real time consuming, so that's what we're really here for, is to, to do this for you and to present these tools and resources for you, especially the benchmarking survey. There's a lot of potential. We actually have two surveys, one that's in US dollar and the other in Europe um, to capture the European market. And we're hoping to grow that even further um, in the future. So looking at the industry, the importance of coffee to your local community, the, the power of coffee. I mean, we all love coffee. We deal with coffee. It's, in our, it's our business. Um, but how, what impact does it have on the U.S. economy? So at the NCA did a report, an economic impact report um, in 2015 that not only showed you know, the, the retail values or um, it, it wanted to show more what is the impact that coffee has on the U.S. economy from a, an economic standpoint. And they found that um, 5.2 billion in imports was, as of 2015, was the value, and there was 74 billion in retail sales, which is huge, so huge. And that led to knowing the impact on the economy, 225 billion dollar impact on the economy. And they also looked at not only the values, but jobs and taxes and, and all of the impact that it has. And one point, that makes it 1.6 of GDP, 1.6%, 1.6 million jobs and 28 billion in taxes. So this is, this is really huge. And how this information can really be practical, maybe for your everyday, to support your business, um, one perspective is to but just by knowing this and arming yourself with tools like this, if you were looking to open a cafe and needed invest investors or um, needed to provide some research and some information, this could help with that. This could help show the power of coffee and, and how what it could bring and the wealth that it could bring. Also, maybe if you're looking to open a cafe and dealing with zoning issues, um, this could help you talk to your leaders and show them you know, the impact that coffee does have and what it could bring to a small community. So overall, these three main themes um, that transpired from this research is getting, getting to know your customers, um, learning to talk to them, interact with them. It's really, really important to, to be able to do that because they're, they're driving this. You know, they're, they, you need your consumers, you know, to run your business. Uh, and meeting their needs and guiding them to the possibilities of specialty coffee. And even those, those understanding the specialty market industry statistics help inform your business and 
knowing these market sizes and the sentiment and you know all the retailers around you, being able to access these industry benchmarks are important with, when you're developing your business plan. And then, it, again, the specialty coffee industry, the importance of coffee to your local community. Um, how can this help you in, you know, talk to the leaders, let them know this, this power, power of coffee. So I, that's kind of the gist of those main themes that I wanted to show you guys. I want to open it up for questions. I know we started late, so um, we have time for questions that anybody have. Yes. Uh, early in your presentation, you referred to a bag of coffee. What, is, what size is that bag of coffee? We actually didn't didn't reference the size. We we asked them in a different question um, what they're likely to buy because you know there's the 12 ounce, um, 16 ounce, or all these different sizes. So we asked them what they would pay generally for a bag, and then um, we also after that asked them what size it was, and um, it. A lot of the supers were buying the 12 ounce bags of coffee. So it didn't directly correlate with that because it was just too confusing to ask multiple questions of, you know, the size, like what's this size that you're paying for? And um, normally people just buy the bag, don't really look at the ounces or pounds. But um, yeah, it was, we are seeing though that the people are buying those, even the eight ounce bag of coffee for more. How do you get on the survey? So do you mail it to a different coffee shop? So how does the person develop that? For the benchmarking survey? Yeah, that was just released, actually, and um, we are going to send out, if you're a member, you'll get an email that already has an account set up for you. Just You'll get your unique login, um, but you can just go to that website and sign up right there, and it will create your account. So, And it'll be on social media. We just launched it, so we're... Um, all this with Expo going on, we'll, we'll send out those emails next week. And it's a little bit on social media right now. But if you just go to the, straight to that website, you'll be able to, to find that. And it's on the handout as well, the link to it. Yes? Yeah. Right. When you're you don't find Yeah, so um, we wanted to to gauge that it's it's really 40% or more of their revenue coming from the sale of coffee, the revenue of coffee. It was hard to to go to a shop and say, okay, you're specialty, you're not specialty. So really we looked at this this higher quality of coffee. It's kind of like the consumption as well with looking at people, the NCA study, how are they defining specialty or gourmet consumption? And it's, you know, it's more of looking at this higher quality that we're seeing and not calling out specifically, this is specialty, this is not specialty, and more segmenting those shops just so we can get a better idea because it's just really challenging to, to, to even say you're not specialty. I mean, we, we have that 80 point or above when we grade green coffee that's specialty, but when it comes down to defining specialty all the way through the cup, like it could be roasted out, there's all these different opinions on that, so we're trying to just get that bigger idea of of you know, the higher quality, what these consumers, like, do the consumers understand specialty totally? Well, the, one of the first, you know, we walked out on the streets and people are like, I don't know what, you know, specialty is. I, is it a fluffy drink? Like, would they use those words exactly? And um, so it was just, it's just this higher, we have to educate our consumers even more on it 
Um, but right now, just the data that's available is, is you know, consumer perception and just looking at espresso-based beverages that they sell, those types of shops. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Um, I don't know if they'll give out the PowerPoint. I'll have to check on that. But I did, there is a handout in the app that you can look up. Um, and then I can also, if anybody wants to come up and I can show you any, any graph in it. And really we want, we want to hear from you and, and what you're looking for as well. So if there's something in there that, or something you thought of, you know, all of this is driven from the community wanting information. So it's great to know what you would want as well if you wanted to come talk. But I'll check on that if you want to, um, afterwards I can check to see if they'll do the presentations. Yeah. When we were actually going through the screener questions as well, there there would be like a 50-50. They had all behaviors of adopters and, and behaviors of, of supers. So the majority, we, we looked at it, and if there was something that set them apart from that made them go into supers, we considered them supers. Otherwise, they were like more on the, the adopters. Um, they're... We're trying to understand more. There's, it's not like a fine line. Like one day you step over that line and you're an, you're a super. Um, so it's more it's it's more how they what maybe the amount that they or the type of coffee shop that they're at and and the looking for the story, looking for the uniqueness of it. And I think it's confidence as well. Sometimes people are like, no, I don't. I don't really care about the story or want to know or I don't know much about my coffee, I just want a cup of coffee but once they like get into that oh yeah, I'm really interested in that, I really care about the ethics of where this came from, it's like that, I think it's more of that, in, you know, interaction with with the coffee and the experience, so it's sort of kind of like knowing your consumers and making that, you know, note as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's like those subtleties, definitely. Yeah. And um, just getting them interested in talk. I mean, sometimes when people maybe put creamer in their coffee and you want them to taste that single origin and, and they're a little bit not, you know, ready yet, they, we found that they don't like to be pushed. Like, this is what this is so much better, don't do that. You know, they're kind of like, uh, and they're a little too intimidated. So I think it's just like, hey, try this. You know, just this little taste. I just made this pour over or whatnot, and I want you to, and pe- that's how people are starting to get more comfortable. We found that they don't like to be told what to do. And engagement with these millennials, engagement goes further. You know, when they leave and they take pictures and they Instagram, and um, you, you could just, that's also... A kind of a sign that that's you know going into the the supers is is also that engagement as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the questions I I was I, the numbers didn't quite make sense, so I'd like to know: Do you have a feeling of where the supers are buying their beans from? Because mm-hmm. uh, for home brewing, because when we do retail counts, yeah. it seems like. 
there's a lot of product being bought at the cafe, but not a lot of those supers are leaving with bagged coffee, but yet their numbers are so high for home brewing. Yeah. Just wondering if they're getting it from another location. Yeah, actually, we did ask those questions, um, and I feel like I would be here for hours going through all the charts. Um, so it's in it's in the consumer research, but we we asked where if they were buying at the grocery store as well versus the cafe, and they're definitely buying in subscriptions as well, like home subscriptions. So they're buying at both. Most adopters are buying um, at, the, at the grocery store, and then in the cafe, supers are buying. In the, the, we're finding that they're buying in the cafe. So yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about your recruitment uh, process? So how the yeah. Yeah, we um, we actually worked through an outside market research firm to find to do an online panel, and they have connections through there. Um, and we wanted we felt that the millennials were more of the the specialty coffee consumers, so we kind of targeted to get a little bit more of those. And by their screener questions, like people were screened out if they didn't. Um, fall into all those all of those categories, especially if it was they drank coffee less than five to seven days per week, um, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that was kind of the how they picked them. It was at random um, in the online platform through the firm. I think I saw what it was up here. Um, for this study, for your focus group, did you ask the focus group? Uh, for their definition uh, to define the difference between specialty and regular coffee. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of the main goal because when they were out on the streets, they were, people didn't know. Um, and that's when we kind of identified those supers that knew a little bit more were into the coffee origin. Um, but many people said they, they thought it was like the more of the beverage, um, like a vanilla, like a flavored vanilla latte or those type of built beverages, they considered those to be to be specialty or something with chocolate in it that made it, you know, more. Or even people were thinking um, ingredients, where that those came from, and that made it specialty. Um, and that was pretty much the gist of it. So, anyone else? Yes. No, we. A lot of them said premium. Premium was the one that you, they used. Gourmet, a lot. Um, yeah, they they did. We asked them what specialty, and they didn't. That was the thing. They didn't really use it. <laughs> we need more education <laughs> or consumers. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think because there's so there's shops opening up in, in smaller communities, um, not so much coffee-centric cities like Seattle or Portland, um, I see it spreading out more um, just based on what we've, we've been seeing and even this third wave shops kind of, kind of popping up everywhere. Um, I'm not sure about this next generation coming up after the millennials that's going to present us a whole new... Um, generation of behaviors, but the the supers showed that they started drinking coffee at like 15 years old. So I think it's going to just keep getting younger, um, especially NCA has some health benefit reports that have come out of recently and just showing that 
coffee isn't as bad for you as they had thought. So maybe, and also just the, the beverages that get people interested at 15 or 16 are kind of like blended um, sweet beverages. And then they sort of just graduate along. And, and going to college, it depends on kind of their lifestyle. You know, they're hanging out with friends, the experience. And then they go to college and they're studying and have to stay awake and just get interested. It's kind of like how it goes. And eventually, um, if they go into, and not doesn't mean all adopters will become supers as well. I think that's important to know, is that if they, they just might stay there and want to stay there forever. But... Um, I think these, the, the boom and the explosion of smaller um, local quality oriented are really going to bring in more consumers that are into specialty. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how it goes from there. Yes? So one of the slides showed that the specialty retail location was now close to 32,000 mm-hmm. in the US, but the roasters was only at 4,200. We saw the line that showed how it had grown from just a few thousand to 13,000. What's mm-hmm. the correlation between the roasters and the retail stores? How quickly has that expansion grown? Yeah, uh, well, we don't have much on, on roasters. In, in the historical of that and really it's all the roasters were identified as companies that it wasn't shops like it, it was individual companies that owned or roasted coffee it wasn't like um, the 4200 is individual kind of brands I guess you could say um, so it's going to be interesting I'm not sure how many of that um, if Mintel had any estimates around like future because they have a report that kind of gives like forecasts as well um, but I, I mean, we're seeing the, these roasters kind of popping up everywhere, even in the smaller towns. It's going to be interesting to see where that where that goes. Can I see your hand over here? Yes. Was there any data with how specialties being marketed online? Um, no, we just kind of asked, not how necessarily. We just asked if people if. Um, they purchased subscriptions online, um, but we didn't really have any data of, of like what that looked like exactly. That that purchased, yeah, a little. Um, I kind of forget off the top of my head. I can look in the report for you, but um, there were people that were buying, definitely buying online. Yeah, and I can grab that for you when after this if you want. Anybody? Yes. Yeah, that's a that's a real hard one. Um, I think it's a lot driven just in, in your individual store and the talking with consumers and the interaction. So that's why I think it's really important to kind of know where they're at in their journey, even between the adopters or even if they're before and they're just like walking down the street and need to get to work and need a caffeine fix. So I, I think that's really going to be driven from individual shops, um, maybe just saying having a story or even the co- I, we've noticed that the farmer's story on you know in the in the cafe is helping people kind of like take note you know and these this millennial generation cares so much about where it does come the ethics of it and the certifications so I think it really it's just individual store 
by store that's going to drive that. And at SCA, we tr- we try to you know provide all the education for training with you know even getting a barista certification or roaster um, that will will help in that as well or providing tools to be able to to educate your because getting better at what you're doing to educate your consumers better but it's it seems the individual store has the most power on on consumers especially the ones that are you know all your um that return to your shop that you see every day you know you, you develop that relationship know their name know what kind of coffee they get and, and being able to build that trust individually. Yes? Could you also talk through how you're spending specific initiatives or projects that CA has worked on that help bridge that gap? I know even for our shops, just the flavor we were posted up a couple years ago, it was huge for us in like, kind of listening that engagement. Yeah, I think we're working on trying to get towards more um, consumer events, even. It can, like, I think there's coffee con out there that's more of a consumer event and so developing those to bring in consumers and have like a platform where you can actually come to an event and talk with consumers as well I, I don't know that's just starting to develop right now um, but other than that not off the top of my head anybody else all right well yes one last question. And this was fantastic, Michael, not just the coffee. Um, so besides age, what do you think is the most measurable difference between, this is a little bit out of scope, but the most measurable difference between a commercial grade coffee drinker and a special grade coffee making commercial grade become special? Yeah. Hmm, that's a hard one. Um, aside from age. Yeah. I feel like maybe even just influence of of the hmm. I don't know that's a really hard question I don't know if I have the answer to that exactly um, yeah maybe it's the word of mouth even um, and the influence in in your community and and because social media there's so much reach that people take pictures of their coffee or talk about it after they visit your shop or go and then you know it's just out there and people come to like even you know like Yelp has brought a lot of people based on pictures that they've uploaded and they tell all their friends about it and maybe that would be be a me- sort of measurable but um it would be a little bit difficult to, to measure that exactly, but just like being engaged in that, you may be able to to pull analytics through through the outlets that you're even on. If you get as a cafe owner getting on Instagram or Facebook and promoting through that, and then they can tag you and connect you, you might be able to measure it well through that too. Okay. Yeah. Is that it? Okay. I'm up here. If anybody wants to talk anymore, thank you. I'm so sorry about the. The confusion earlier, darn technology. (laughs) You've been listening to a talk from the SCA Lectures podcast series. To hear more on topics relevant to the specialty coffee industry, visit www.scanews.coffee and subscribe to this lecture series. Thanks for listening.